Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Pastor Derek here. Everybody calls me PD. I want to welcome you to Connect Church, the church at home. Because uh, you're home, and uh, we're doing church today. You've got a great seat because it's in your house. Hey, listen, I'm so happy that you're with us. I don't know where you're coming from, different states, different countries, uh, right here in the area. I'm just glad you're here. I'm going to get right into my message today because I believe I have a timely word. And uh, it's kind of a tough word for me because I've never spoke on this subject for more than a few minutes. Um, but for a while, I've been ruminating and thinking and chewing and stewing about this message. So here we go. The title of the message today, get ready, is this is as bad as it's going to get, okay? This, how many know that's a good word? This is as bad as it's going to get. Last week, my son was doing a great job, and he said things could be worse. kind of triggered something in my spirit, and I want to connect it to a big picture for you today. Now, you know this by way of introduction that we are living... And everybody's saying this in unprecedented times. Now, I don't think we're in unprecedented times exclusively because of the COVID virus. I think it's because of the signs of the times. Now, signs have been revealing themselves actually to us as Christ followers for decades. Sometimes we're not seeing these signs. Um, and I'll say this quickly about signs. You know, Christians have heard terms like miracles, signs, wonders. Uh, a miracle is something that makes you believe in God. A wonder is something that makes you wonder about God. But a sign is something that points. It's directive. It, um, it's pointing in a certain uh, direction, a particular direction. So what I want to help us all do today is see the world through the lens of biblical prophecy, and in particular, see the signs that are in our midst right now. And, and uh, signs always point to something. So in the midst of this worldwide pandemic that we're in, which threatens to destroy different facets of our life, from our economy, uh, the way relationships are done, um, to uh, our health uh, and socialization. I mean, with 30 million jobs lost, 30 million jobs lost, uh, social distancing, which is threatening uh, what has been common for centuries, a handshake and a hug, where people now, if you start approaching them, people will back up, some people ready to bow up. That's what's happening in our world today to... Uh, Fear of sickness, especially with no vaccine present, people are very, very afraid. And it's just, it's a crazy time that we're in. And so these signs um, have people kind of freaked out a little bit. But one of the things in particular that I've heard people say um, on kind of commonly is that the worst thing about COVID, uh, the pandemic, is the unknown about the future. Like, we don't know what's going to happen next. We're on fast forward. You know, one week it's this, the next week it's this. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to play out. And I agree in a measure, okay? But as a believer, listen to me now, you can know the future. You can know the future. You can know the big picture. And when you see the big picture, it helps you with all the little pieces underneath that. So as believers, if that's true, and I'm going to unpack this as we go forward. This is just how we're getting things out there. But as believers, and I've said this before, but today we're going to do a whole message. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. They're not falling apart. They're falling into place. So your big idea is biblical prophecy helps us understand that things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking 
about an eternal perspective, kind of seeing things through God's eyes, that if we have a bigger view of heaven, uh, the bigger heaven is, the smaller earth's problems are. But 2 Peter chapter 3, I reference this scripture. Peter instructs us, and he says, it's really important that you see this, that in the last days, of which I think we are in right now, he says, scoffers will come, and they're going to mock, and they're going to jeer, and they're going to say, hey, where is your God? We thought he was going to be here. You know, you've been saying it since creation. You've been saying it since your ancestors died. Where is he? Where is he? And so we have to be careful that outside influences don't interrupt what God has told us. Be forewarned as believers that God's view of what is happening is not that he forgot about us, not that he's not paying attention. No, not that he's not slow in his return. It's he's patient because he doesn't want anybody to perish but all to come to repentance and everybody to know him. Now, a key text, I'm going to be like, a, I'm going to be a true New Englander here today. I'm going to be speaking fast. If we were in the South, they'd be like, wow, he's talking fast. But I have a lot to tell you. In Matthew 24, there's like a big text that relates to the signs of the end. And Jesus is speaking there. And in verse 1 and 2, um, they're coming out of the temple. And the disciples, uh, you know, uh, Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, can you see these signs that, that, that I've been talking to you about? And he says, you know, the temple that you see right now, uh, not one of these stones is going to be left upon another which won't be torn down. And they're like shaken by this. And they don't understand it. Interestingly enough, 70 AD, Romans come in and they take over the city and they destroy the temple and it's destroyed with fire and the gold that's in the temple melts down into the rocks and into the cracks of the rocks. And the Romans didn't want any of that gold to be wasted, so they went in and they turned over every single stone to get all of the gold. Wow, that's just amazing. And at that time, Israel was no longer a nation. From 70 AD, listen, all the way to 1948. Israel was not a nation until 1948. Now, many people, I don't have time to unpack this, but many people believe that's when the clock kind of of the end times really began. Another, not so much the end times, but the beginning of sorrows began. And I'll reference that in a little bit. So Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples come to Jesus in private and they have a question, or they have several questions, and they say this. Um, they, the disciples come to him and they say, tell us, Jesus, when will this happen? When will the temple be up, you know, turned over and taken over and destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming, uh, your return, and of the end of the age? How's this all going to go down? So the, he, he asked them three questions, and they're all connected. The two, two last ones are paired together uh, e even more so. And then Jesus takes two chapters to really answer these questions. Two chapters. Now, just notice for a second that in this moment when the disciples come to him privately, not publicly, to ask these kind of a difficult questions, Jesus doesn't say to them, who cares about that? Don't, don't bother. Don't, what are you worried about on that kind of stuff? You know, don't focus on that right now. It's all going to pan out, guys, in the end. No, he doesn't do that. He, it's, he, he takes this very seriously, and he begins to unpack um, the, the truth, and he begins to answer uh, these questions painstakingly because it's important. 30% of the Bible is prophecy. And, and then he says in verse 4 to them, he says to the disciples, to the believers, to the followers of Jesus, it says, watch out, he says, that no one deceives you. Your Bible may say that no one misleads you, okay? Jesus is saying it's important 
that you don't let anybody deceive you in this stuff. And it's also important that you understand it, okay? Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you the answers to these questions that you have. I'm going to unpack them for you. And by the way, it's all over the New Testament. And then he says, but be sure nobody deceives you. You need to understand this stuff for yourself. So here's a note, fill in the blank. Jesus expects us to know about biblical prophecy. Jesus expects you to know about biblical prophecy. Because if not, you will be misled. Many will be misled in the last days by other people going to pull you this way, pull you that way. Listen, God unpacked it for you. So Jesus gives an overview in Matthew 24. Verse 5, he says, hey guys, many are going to come in my name. They're going to say, I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. And this has actually been happening for years and years and years. And will deceive many. It's going to increase, by the way. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then he says, uh, but see to it that you are not alarmed. So first he says, see to it that you're not deceived or misled. Then he says, see to it that you are not freaked out or alarmed. Okay? Because certain things are going to happen before uh, the end. And, and the end is referring to kind of Jesus' second coming. And it's also referring to the tribulation. So he says, see to it you're not deceived. See to it you're not alarmed. See, such things are, have to happen first. Such things must happen, then the end will come. So if these things haven't happened, the end's not, we're not in the end, okay? So note this, the only people that are afraid during times like we're in right now are the people who don't know what's going on. And so I want you to know what's going on. What takes away fear is an understanding that things aren't falling apart, they're falling into place. It's an understanding of the big picture. So the only people that are afraid are people who don't know what's going on. Verse 7, he keeps going. Nation's going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. Some translations, and I think the original translations say, and there are going to be pestilences. I'll come back to that. In the Latin Bible, it has that. All these, check this out, are the beginning, say beginning everybody, the beginning of birth pains. Or your translation, Bible may say, the beginning of sorrows. What is the beginning of sorrows or birth pains? It's women, uh, many of you have children, you're listening right now, your children may be running around, you're trying to corral them. Um, if, you, if you've had a child before, you know this to be true, that the pregnancy that you go through, three trimesters, nine months, it seems forever. It seems like a long, long time. It's a long pregnancy. And, then, and during the pregnancy, there's wonderful parts of it, but there's a growing sense of discomfort as you get close to the birth. And then all of a sudden, uh, at a certain point in time, the labor pains kick in. And when this happens, contractions begin. And, and, and the progress and the process and, and, and pain comes closer and closer. And the pain gets more and more intense. Am I correct, ladies? Am I getting this right? I know nothing about that, okay? I know nothing about that. And so some of you that have been pregnant and have had children, you've gone to the hospital and those labor pains have kicked in and that's why you're there. And you you come into the hospital and you're like, help, help, I'm in so much pain. You know, I think like I'm dying. I, th I feel like I'm dying. Give me something. Give me something now. And, and, and any good nurse will come up to you at that particular time and they're going to encourage you with these words. They're going to whisper in your ear. They're going to say, honey, you haven't seen nothing yet. What? You know, but that's what they do because that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of sorrows. Now on a more you know, 30,000 foot view. That's what's been happening in the world. Um, 
You know, the Civil War in the late 1800s, that was bad. But, the, but World War I, that was bad. And then there was World War II. That was really, really bad. There's, there was an intensity, an increase when it came to nation rising against a nation and kingdom against kingdom. And these things get closer and closer and the pain greater and greater. And, 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 and sometimes the word there in, in, in the original language is ethnos. It, it's talking about, you know, um, different people groups uh, just coming up against each other and the differences between us. And then it talks about like earthquakes and, and the shakings of the earth. Earth and, and different catastrophes. We've seen this, increase in tornadoes, increase in earthquakes, tsunamis. Listen, it, it, before a certain point in time in my life, I'd never, like I thought tsunamis, I, I read about them in books that happened like thousands of years ago. But in 2004, we had a tsunami in Indonesia. I was like, what? I remember seeing the video footage of that. It was like unbelievable. Only five years later, another one in Japan. And they're getting closer and closer and more and more intense. And the same is true about this word pestilences. Pestilence refers to, um, by definition, plagues and diseases. Um, a plague, we know of different plagues in the Bible, but some of us don't even realize it's happening on the earth. Right now, one of the plagues that's hit the earth right now is locust. You're like, what? I thought that was like in Exodus. Nope. Right now in uh, Africa and um, Middle East, Asia, there are swarms of locusts consuming um, millions and millions of pounds of food. Uh, in fact, one swarm, uh, uh, this was over a month ago, was the, three times the size of New York City. I mean, massive. And they don't know how to stop it. And if they don't figure out how to stop it, it could multiply to four, listen, 400 times that size. So we're talking about difficult plagues that are happening. Disease. Uh, when I was out of college, um, married, uh, way back when the pilgrims came over, um, I can remember this new disease that came out called AIDS. Some of you remember this. We were scared when that came out. I mean, we were told it could wipe out our country. We, we, you know, you, you go to see a doctor at that time, and they were wearing hazmat suits, and it was bad. It's still bad, but we just see it different. We just see it different. In 2004, there were travel bans because of this new disease called SARS. In 2009, there was the H1N1 with the swine flu, which was considered a global pandemic, and now we have COVID, a worldwide global pandemic. Listen. These are the birth pains. These are the beginning of sorrows. And I could give you other examples as we go forward. I just want you to see where we are in the process. And the word tells us when you see these signs, don't be deceived, don't be alarmed. And I want to say something real quick, and I put this in my notes because I don't want to mess it up. But these things must happen. You've got to understand this. They're not being inflicted on us by God. This is a result of a cursed world, and that world... Um, it, you know, because of that cursed world, it's messed up. It's like this. It's like God, in a sense, is like the weatherman. He's telling us a storm is coming so we can avoid it. <laughs> okay? And so God is telling us the future in advance. So for believers, uh, there are unknowns that exist in this world, and we don't know every detail, but we can know what the Bible says about the end and where we are in it. And so this message that I want to give to you is to, uh, it's, it's good news. It's to bring comfort to you. This message is to actually encourage you because here it is. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going on. So I want to give you two statements 
two statements in this message to help you understand the times that we're in. Number one statement is the big one. There's an itty-bitty one at the end. So, this, so just pay attention a lot to the first statement. The first statement is, this is not the end. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. One guy came up to a pastor and said, um, are we in the tribulation? Are we experiencing the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse? And, and the pastor said, absolutely not. What are you talking about? And you, you may not even know what that's all about. But my answer is from Revelation 6. And it basically talks about these, these four horsemen. But there's one of them that power was given to to destroy a fourth of the earth. Okay? Kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Just one horseman kills two billion people. There's roughly eight billion people on the planet. So listen, we're nowhere near that. That's, that's the tribulation. One horseman. That's not even talking about all the other plagues and the other horsemen together. So what we're seeing right now isn't even close to the tribulation. And, and we won't be here to experience it. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. So how do we know what's going on? Two reasons. Um, one I'm going to spend time on. Another one you're going to have to kind of dig into on your own. Biblical prophecies, number one. It's very clear from biblical prophecy. Number two, prophetic voices. And I'll, I'll try to do a little bit on that. What are reputable prophetic voices saying to us during this time? But from Scripture, we can see that we are in the birth pains, the, the, the beginning of sorrows. This is not the tribulation. I'm just going to be good to you as your pastor. I'm just telling you what I believe. Other people can believe what they want to believe about that. But I'm responsible and will stand before God for what I've taught you. So, so how far are we from the end? Going back to the disciples, asking Jesus these questions. What's going to happen? Jesus gets super specific. This is so cool. Uh, he says in um, Luke 17, 20 and following, he says, I hope you guys are getting something out of this. I, I, I've been really fired up about this. He says, now when, we asked, now when he asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here, see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the believers, the day will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here, look there, trying to deceive you. Do not go after them or follow them. This, then he says, this is how it's going to go down, verse 24. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. This is referencing lightning is the rapture. It will be an immediate event where lightning flashes from east to west and Jesus snatches his church home. Verse 25, it says, But first... He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. It's talking about Jesus when he came on the earth and he died and he died for the sins of humanity. And, and, and then later he says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. It's what happened in the days of Noah? They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage until the day, remember that, the day, this is a, a specific historic day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So what will the end be like? It'll be like the days of Noah. Likewise, it'll also be like that in the days of Lot. Same pattern. Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day, another historic day that's like the days of Noah and Lot, 
when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who's in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Remember what she did. We'll talk about her at the end. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, so now he's referring to day and night, there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken. Taken is referred to, the Greek word is paralambano. It means to, to receive unto oneself is what it means. Um, it's the rapture. Jesus is receiving them into the air and into the sky where the eagles are gathered. And the other will be left behind. Two women will be grinding together. It's like making food. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. And they answered and said to him, where, where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is, their eagles will be gathered together. He's talking about this, this, this place in the sky when this happens. So the second coming of Jesus is a public event that takes place. This is in prophecy within Revelation on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem where Jesus actually comes down to earth. But, and every eye will see it. And, but the rapture is a private, rapid event where Jesus quickly snatches everybody out, the church. He pulls the whole church out. And so Jesus compares this rapture to the days of Noah and to the days of Lot. Okay? And so how do the days of Noah and Lot compare to us today? Well, number one, rampant immorality and violence cover the earth and, and, and the societies of earth. Number two, business. This, is, this will be the atmosphere. Business as usual. Economic and social normalcy. So when, when this is, that's not what we're in right now. So he's, so he's not coming right now. But what will happen is we'll go back and there'll be certain things that are normal again. The economy will bounce back again. Uh, people will start leaving. The things that we're doing now that are bringing us closer to God, many will, will wander away and, and he could come in during that time. Um, number three, a righteous remnant living among the corrupt and unrepentant world. That's what it was like in Noah and Lot's time. That's how it'll be when he comes back. Uh, and then number four, the sudden rescue of the righteous before the wrath of God falls. That's what happened in Noah's time. That's what happened in Lot's time. This is so key. So Jesus talked about this, that in the days of Noah, again, what was that like? Um, they, they, they didn't experience tribulation or judgment. In the last days, there will be, I told you about the four horsemen, but just one kills two billion people. But in Revelation 9, it says there'll be three plagues where a third of mankind is destroyed. Um, this doesn't include all the judgments. Again, at the end of the tribulation, half of humanity, according to scripture, is dead. The sea is dead. The earth is burnt up. Some people believe a meteor crashed and created this like wormwood. Not to mention the Antichrist will be um, killing Christians, millions of Christians. It's literally a bloodbath. The earth is a smoldering ruin and half of humanity is dead. And if we're to go through that, Jesus would not have described the world as a place where it was business as usual when he comes to get us. I hope you see that. We're not going to be here for that horrible situation. He's taking us out. Understand, Noah and his family, they got on an ark. And not a raindrop touched their head. God sealed them up in this ark, and then destruction came. Some would say, yeah, but they still went through the flood. Nope, they were above 
They were lifted above the flood. And we will be lifted above the tribulation as well into the sky. And so, in fact, we're going to be taken into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as soon as we're taken up, bam, in that moment, the, the clock starts and the tribulation, seven-year tribulation begins. And then we're in heaven for a seven-year marriage of the supper, marriage supper of the Lamb, where the wrath of God's on earth, but joy is happening for all of us in heaven. Jesus said, the day of my coming will be like the day of Noah and the day of Lot. Lot, what happened? He went out from Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels came to Lot and said, hey, you guys got to get out of here. Hurry up. We need to get out of here. We can't judge Sodom and Gomorrah until you leave and are safely in uh, the appropriate place. You're safe and at your appropriate destination. See, God didn't tell Lot, oh, go build a bunker, buy some guns, get a lot of food and water, and bury it in the ground. No, he didn't tell him that. He said, you got to get out. I'm going to get you to a safe place, and none of this is going to happen to you. It will be, listen, the same for you and the same for me, for those of us who called upon the name of the Lord. And so the clock is ticking. Matthew 24, 34 says, I tell you, it says, in that night... Uh, there's going to be one here, one there, one's gone, one's gone. And one will be taken, one will be left. All right? What's he talking about in that night? He says in the day in one case and in the night later on. It's because the whole world's going to be affected by this. Half of the people will be taken up and one side of the planet in the daytime. Let's say it's, you know, 5 o'clock you know, in the afternoon in, in Israel. And maybe it's 9 a.m. on the other side of the planet in um, America. The point is, somebody will be awake and working. Somebody will be in bed. But it's going to happen all at the same time. This, and so, therefore, what happens? We need to be ready. We need to be ready. What should your posture position be? Be ready because of these signs. Jesus is graphic about this. So the summary is there's two possible endings for people. The church will be raptured before the tribulation, or the rest of the world, listen, is going through a seven-year horrible, horrible tribulation. Now, another comforting text comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And Paul is speaking, and he says this about the end times. It's all over the Bible. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who've fallen asleep. He's talking about Christians who've died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So when we know people know the Lord, we don't, we don't sorrow like they do. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So those people that you love, that knew Christ, that are dead... Their spirit is with the Lord and it's been present with him, but their body is still wherever you buried him. So what the Bible says is when Jesus comes back to take his church home, the dead in Christ will rise first. They will receive at that moment their incorruptible uh, new body and be caught up in the air and then we will follow him. Then it says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. It's this incredible reunited moment. Reunited Mm -mm. I can't help but do that song whenever I see that. Um, sorry, I get distracted. Then those of us who are caught up will meet them in the air and in the clouds to meet the Lord. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Then he says, this is the message. Comfort one another with these words. 
This isn't alarm fear. This is comfort for believers. This is an event that's going to take place in the air. The dead in Christ go before us. We'll see them, meet with them. It's going to be an incredible union. That word caught up is the word Greek harpazo. It means to seize and to grab. And in a Latin, if you had a Latin Bible, the word is rapturo, or in, in, it would be written rapture. So that, that, that word's really in the Bible. People say rapture is not in the Bible. No, it's in the Bible. So remember what it says. Comfort each other with these words. We will, we will go up before things blow up. Come on, somebody. So 1 Thessalonians 5, here's what it says. Another, another important text related to this. It says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. Whenever I'd read that, I'd freak out. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. So this text is very very consistent and parallels what I've already told you. It's like labor pains, uh, it's sudden, and what will the conditions be? Everybody will be saying peace and safety, marriage, given to marriage, everything's going good. Okay, that's what the, just like it was in the times of Noah and Lot, that's how it'll be. Now, he's talking about unbelievers there. Now he shifts and he says in verse 4, but you... You, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you. In other words, make you freak out as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. But what should we do? Let us watch and be sober, okay? Uh, so in other words, we should have an attitude. He's talking to unbelievers. You're going to be, it's going to come like a thief in the night. Bam, you're going to think everything's great. Boom, destruction comes. But for those of us who are believers, no. But our disposition, which I think God has used this coronavirus to change things on the inside of us to get us a little more sober, to get us more watchful, to get us more prayerful, to get us focused on the right things. That's what's good. Now, verse 9. This is so huge and so important. I want you to get this. This really makes, uh, it's a foundation for this, this doctrine. Verse 9 says, for God did not appoint us to wrath. He's talking to brethren, believers, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, you will not experience this wrath or this tribulation because he died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So this day won't come like a thief in the night for believers, only for unbelievers. God did not appoint us to wrath. We are to comfort and encourage and edify each other with these words. Listen, this is as bad as it's gonna get. Then I'll prove it to you quickly. You can look up this on your own. But in Revelation 6, it talks about what leadership will be like, what people will be feeling like and thinking like during the tribulation. They're going to be hiding in mountains and caves and saying, fall on us, hide from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in the tribulation, the wrath of the Lamb comes. For the great day of his wrath has come who is able to stand. For all those people that stay, that were not taken up because they didn't call upon the name of the Lord and yield and surrender to him, the Bible says that's going to be a bad day. But, the, but in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 it says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us 
from the wrath to come. You're not going to experience the wrath of God. You're going to be taken out from this. Jesus is going to rescue you. The tribulation, it's not really judgment. It's the wrath of God, and, and, and it's been stored up, and it's not for us. And so we're going to be in heaven for seven years in the marriage supper of the Lamb. As Jesus said before he left, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what, when somebody got married in Jewish custom, the, the, the couple would get married, and the husband would go away to his father's house and prepare prepare a place for her. And while he's preparing a place for her, she doesn't know when he's going to return. She's, she's going to be surprised when he returns, but she's supposed to be ready, watchful, waiting, anticipating his return. And then when he returns, they celebrate a wedding, get this, for seven days. So we'll be seven years in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb because he prepared a place for us and the bride and the groom will be joined together. That's so powerful what God is trying to say. So, Petey, what do you believe? Well, I'm an escapist. That's what I believe. If you want to call it what some people call it. Uh, but I'm an obedient, watchful, sober, prayerful escapist. Luke 21 tells us this in verse 34. Talking about the end times, it says, Take heed yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Look it. And that day, that day, come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare like the days of Noah and Lot on those, on those um, trapped after the rapture. He's talking to unbelievers here who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And then he says, watch therefore. He's talking to us now. And pray always that you may be counted worthy to what? Escape. Escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the, 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 the Son of Man. So would God, would Jesus tell us to pray about something that couldn't happen? Of course not. So listen, you have prayed. You need to continue to pray that you stay watchful and sober. But this is as bad as it gets. This is not the end. And when that day comes, when he takes you, that'll be the best day of your life. Now, I referenced this Second reason, there's biblical prophecy that encourages us, and there are prophetic voices. This is what I want to say to you. I'm giving you a little homework assignment. Go to our Facebook account, and you'll see where PD talked, where I talked about kind of what a prophetic voices are saying, and look it up. And I'm going to post some prophecy on there so you can read it for yourself. It is powerful. But I can tell you this in a nutshell. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his prophets. Now, I've never endorsed a prophet publicly, but two prophets that I've found in my career, 30-year career, that are reputable, and many people believe are reputable, is Chuck Pierce and Jim LaFoon. Chuck Pierce, Jim LaFoon. And I'm going to try to get those prophecies up uh, but there's one I'll have up there when you're listening to this. But here's the thing. Amos is telling us that God is not a secret keeper, that he doesn't want his people to be ignorant or confused about what he is doing. And so these prophets have encouraged us that somewhere between Passover and Pentecost, God was going to do something great that there's a move. And I believe there was a shift that took place somewhere around Passover and Easter. And Pentecost is coming up at the end of May. And, and mark this in your calendar. If you're a part of Connect, we're going to have a special online Pentecost service. And we're going to pray and usher in what I think could be a miracle. In fact, there's a movement afoot right now. It's called the Unite 714 movement. That means every day, every single morning, 714, every day every, at 714 p.m., 
People are praying around the world. It started between a few pastors, one of them being my pastor. They got together and talked. People crossed denominational lines and have begun to pray every single day. Now it has grown to one billion people. Come on, somebody, that are praying for revival. They're praying, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. What God is saying is the power to see healing on our land is actually in our hands if we pray, if we humble ourselves, if we turn from our wicked ways. And God is using it, not causing it, this virus to make that very thing happen. Embrace it. Cooperate with God and see what he wants to do. I believe he wants to do a miracle. And I'm believing for a miracle right around Pentecost. And my final point as I conclude is not only, not only is this not the end, this is not your home. This is not your home. See, again, my attitude is cooperate with God. You know, he doesn't care about your vacations to Mexico or wherever it is you want to go. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is all about him. What is God up to? What does he want to do? He didn't create, he didn't create this world for you. Heaven is that world that you're looking forward to because heaven is your home, not here. And so this pandemic is a reminder to all of us that this world has fallen, that this world is under judgment, and that this is not our home, and that there's a promise of a tomorrow that is better in another place. And so we do have or can have this promise of eternity with Jesus if we believe in him. In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, it says, so, Jesus speaking, so when all these things begin, this beginning of sorrows, uh, they begin to happen. He says, stand and look up, for salvation is near. See, it's time, guys. I don't know where you are in your walk and where you are in your, your journey of faith, but it's time to get your eyes off this world. It's time to put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. It's time not to see this as your home, but to see heaven as your home and as your eternal dwelling place. In times like these, you have a house, you have things, that's great. But remember, remember, they're not going with you. You didn't bring them into this world and you can't take them with you. Remember what Jesus said. He said, remember Lot's wife. Remember what happened to her? She turned back to Sodom and Gomorrah and she was turned into a pillar of salt. She, she wasn't just looking back, she was longing back. In other words, she wasn't just reflecting on Sodom and Gomorrah. No, she loved the world more than God. I want you to know something. Heaven is so much better than this place. This world is cursed. This world is judged because of the fall of man. But, but, it, but Jesus has a home for us. Heaven is far better. So I hope this message has encouraged you. I hope it edified you. I hope that you will comfort one another with these words. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? And I want you just to, uh, to join me wherever you are in your home. Just kind of settle down just for a minute and be still. Would you just pray these words with me? Just say this. Say, it, it, you might be there right now in your home, and, and you, you, on one hand, you're encouraged by what I'm saying, but you're, you're not certain that you are in the family of God. Listen, we're all God's creation. We have to choose to be his child. You have this lifetime to choose to be a part of the family of God. All you need to do is you need to invite Jesus into your life. When you invite Jesus into your life, you're saying, he came to this world. He is who he says he was. He came into this world. He died to pay for my sins. He rose to overcome in this life, and he's coming back for me to take me to heaven. I believe that.
That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you. And I want, to, I want you to do something. I want you to engage. If that's you, I want you to pray this right out loud. Say, Jesus, come on, do it. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. I want that certainty that in these uncertain times, I can have confidence that no matter what happens, no matter what's going on around me, I know that one day I will be with God. I will be reunited with others that know God. I thank you that you've prepared a place for me and that you're coming back for me one day soon. And I want to be watchful and I want to be prayerful and I want to be ready. Father, I pray for every person that has called upon the name of the Lord. Just say that. Say, Jesus, today I am saved. Today I am yours. Lord, for every person who called upon the name of the Lord, Lord, I pray that there be a change that happens right now inside of them. Give them, give them that assurance, uh, that confidence, Lord God. So when they read what the word says, when they hear the scriptures read about what is going on right now, they can find comfort. They can find encouragement. They're not afraid. They're not those that would be suddenly, you know, a surprised and, and, and Jesus come like a thief in the night and, and then judgment come up. No, they're going to be taken up. They're going to be rescued from this. They're going to escape all of this because they are the sons and daughters of God. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for those that made that decision. And it's in your name we pray.